Hi, this is Taxis Chronicles and I'm your host Simon Rushton. Today we have a lovely lady in the car who's going to tell us about what it's like to be a nanny and amongst other things her potential business and she's not only just a career girl like that but she's also highly qualified in some industry called Spectrum. I'm probably saying it wrong as I usually do but anyway <laughs> I'm going to hand over to her and um, we'll just take it from there. So tell us, what's, what's it like being a nanny? Oh, it's definitely challenging. It's like being a mum for five days of the week, but they're obviously not your children and you can't, you don't have full authority. Um, but it's very rewarding, it's tiring, it's funny, it's um, thought-provoking, thought it's sometimes brings you to the edge of tears. Oh, okay. So give me an example. You, you hit on quite a few things there. Mm -hmm. What brings you to the edge of tears at times? <laughs> what is, makes you thought-provoking? What frustrations that you wish you could have more power? And probably to beat the hell out of them. I did miss that. It is, it is very funny. It's a very funny and it's a very entertaining job. You have a full-time little comedian or, you know, more than one, two. I have two children that I look after. It's like having my own personal entertainers with me. They make me laugh every day, but they also push me a lot, which is great. I wouldn't have it any other way. What kind of things? How do they make you laugh? Um, they come out with the funniest things. Just like and the youngest one is a three-year-old, and he comes out with things like, "Yesterday I had a coconut that I was drinking, and I wanted to smash it open to eat the inside, so I'm smashing it, smashing it." Finally, it cracked open. I was like, oh, yeah, you did it. He goes, Lily, did you do that? And I said, yeah. He's like, well done, Lily. Good girl. Good girl. Well done. Good job. That's a great job, you. And I said, thank you. It's so funny how a three-year-old can be patronising and just, you know. Is he, is he being patronising or is he just mimicking his he's dad? Like, yeah, of course. He's what, just, what does his dad do? Yeah, I mean, that's what we all do to him. You know, well done. Good job. And he just... Children are just like sponges, so whatever you say in front of them or how you treat them is exactly how they're going to treat you. So, on the other hand, the same day he said to me, I was like, Please wash your hands, you know, wash all the back. And he, like, and he goes to me, Lily, for goodness sake, I'm not going to wash my hands. <laughs> At the same time, it can be good and bad. Okay, that's good. So, where, when, where do you like it when you wish you could have more power? Um. I don't know if it's about power, but it's just certain things, obviously, that I don't have full control over, like, you know, everything that they eat. I mean, I cook for them, but just their diet. I'm actually plant-based, but I make them, you know, all, all types of food, fish, meat, dairy. So things like that, and just, just different things. Like, I, would, I wouldn't maybe discipline them in the same way, but I do like these parents because they really work as a team with me and they really incorporate me in all the decisions and yeah they really include me and I think that's really important rather than having that dynamic of oh you're working for us you're just you know staff and children really pick up on that and they grow up to treat people the same so that it's really important to show you know everyone in your house equal respect and care and I think yeah the children have really picked up on that that's good that's good so what do their parents do um the dad, uh, they're both in communication. The um, dad works for the National Grid 
and the mum works for Samsung, both in communications. Okay. Yeah. They're high up positions, aren't Yeah, they? they are. They're quite busy, bless them. Do you think it's a good thing for people to have nannies, or should they take care of their own children? Mm. I think... I'm not trying to put you out of uh, job. <laughs> I think... I really think it depends on the situation. Um, like, the, this family in particular, you know, they've got very busy jobs. They love their children so much. They, they're really involved. They're really down to earth. So you can tell it's literally that they have no other choice but to have a nanny. And they... They treat it, you know, they don't treat it just as a luxury. They treat it as a necessity. But other people, I've found, definitely in London, there's this whole culture of, oh, yes, we have a nanny. Yeah, we have a Filipino nanny. We have, you know, an Australian nanny. And it, we have a cleaner. And we have a gardener. And it's just another accessory, unfortunately. So some, I've heard of some nannies working for families where the mum and the dad are literally at home. The mum's not working. She's just there, I don't know, goes for lunches, shops, and it's just, I think that's just really sad, really sad to not be able to, I get, everyone needs a bit of help, especially, you know, parents, single parents, but if you're just at home, you, you really don't want to actually have anything to do with your kids, you just don't want to, want to do any of the messy work and changing nappies and things like that, I think that's just, yeah, I think it's sad, I think you should be involved as much as you can, because you're never going to get those years back. Would you work for somebody like that, or, or have you ever had to say, excuse me, I don't think I'm really needed here, so I'm going to go elsewhere? Um, no, I don't think I'd work for someone like that. Um, I just don't think it. I don't think it would really click. I think I'm someone that puts a lot of care and thought into my work, so I don't just treat it as a job. It is a job, and I respect it as such. But to me, I. I'd look after them as if they were my own. So I kind of want somewhere where that, that is, you know, that care and that love is kind of a part of that environment. So if that's not the vibe that I'm getting when I meet, you know, a family or if, if I was going to meet a potential, you know, family that I was going to work for, it just wouldn't work. And I think I make that very clear before I, you know, before I've had any interviews or met with people, you know, my character and what I'm about. Okay, so you have your core values yeah. related for your profession. Yeah, 100%. I don't think they should be separate. Whatever line of work you're in, I think it should you should be able to be your true self. So embodying your you know, your true essence, your what you're about, your values, it shouldn't contradict. Whatever you're doing in your profession shouldn't contradict, you know, what you believe in and what you're passionate in. So talking about beliefs, you also spoke about your profession of what you've just qualified in. Do you want to expand on that? I know I said it wrong, so you can correct me in front of everybody and all the listeners. Um, so yeah, I'm recently qualified as a full spectrum doula. So a doula, not, not everyone knows, but they're, they are quite popular now, but not everyone knows the word for it. So a doula is somebody that supports the mother or the birthing person. Um, before, during and after um, pregnancy, you know, during labour and even in the postnatal period. So somebody that supports them but not medically, so that could be emotionally, um, physically, spiritually, mentally and just someone that's kind of there um, as a support system really for the birthing person going through this massive life process. Um, yeah, someone that goes above and beyond that's 
it's not just about okay measurements and scans it's more about checking in with them their mental health any concerns helping them providing information showing them maybe how to change a nappy how to bath the child you know how to eat right and a birthing plan all these kinds of things yeah would you say this is something that is class-based because what you said coming from my background women know how to do that automatically they're like my older cousins will look after the younger cousins my sister will look after the younger siblings all of those things but you know what would you say to that i'm really actually happy that you responded with that because this is quite a common reaction especially from you know other communities so like the black community and the asian community when you tell them what a doula is they're gonna kind of laugh at you and be like doula why would you get paid for that you know this is what we have family for and i think that's a very common reaction and i don't quite disagree with that because um, my family's actually from my dad's side of the family is actually from ecuador and yes in ecuador when you've got you know however many aunties i can't count how many aunties i have but if i was to give birth in ecuador i'd have a house full of aunties my grandma maybe my great aunt my great grandma my you know there'd be a whole community of people um coming to support the birthing person through that time you know you wouldn't even lift a finger even in um, ecuador and i know in another in a lot of other cultures african cultures caribbean cultures we have this thing called the quarantena which is basically where the 40 days where you'd kind of stay in the mother would stay in and she wouldn't go out she wouldn't be walking or going out and about and in those 40 days her body's given the chance to heal and everyone looks after her but yeah we've kind of in terms of the class thing we've doulas have been around since the beginning of time um they're in every culture every country think of it's just that we've given it this name doula unfortunately actually means um slay in greek Greek, yeah so we're trying to kind of even replace that word with birthing birthing coach or you know birth worker would be even better but yeah doulas doulas aren't a class thing and actually i personally believe every every woman and every birthing person deserves a doula because Right now, a lot of people in this country do not have that community. They don't have those cousins you're talking about. They don't have that support support system. What about um, people who are? What about women and birthing people who are immigrants or birthing people? There's plenty of birthing people who are actually, you know, trans and have been neglected by their family, and they don't have anyone to count on. Or homeless people, teen teen mums that maybe have been, you know, they don't have anyone, and even people do have family it's like family can give you lots of support but it is obviously family and you think you know with family you you get those kind of preferences and biases and you know you've got politics and family it's just really nice to have somebody come from the outside completely there just for you with no ulterior motives with no prejudice with no um, you know previous experience of you or their sole their sole purpose for those however many months is just to care for you and to give you whatever support you need whatever that looks like for you and i think that's a very beautiful thing mm-hmm. okay um you touched on quite a few things there what i wanted to say is that um 
I was living in, I went to live in South Africa for a while. And I was talking to a lady, and she was saying to me, she was, um, she's actually Mozambique heritage, but she's, no, from Zimbabwe, okay. one of the two. No, I think she's Mozambique, that's necessary Africa. And um, she was saying to me that when you hear people talk about postnatal depression, she said that's not that's more of a Western. And she even went as far as saying Western white thing, mm -hmm. depending on the cultural background. Right. Because she said, along the lines of what you were saying, where you have a child in, let's say, like in Costa or Zulu tribe, whatever, you go the last eight weeks of the pregnancy, you go and stay with your mum. Mm. Your mum will guide you, your sisters will be there to help you, all that thing. But once, but when you have the baby, you're exhausted. And yeah. when you breastfeed, when, when you get to rest and your your family take the child on, the aunts there, oh. the cousins, everybody's there and they're looking after this child. And then when you wake up, you get to breastfeed the child and then you get to go back and rest. So you've had this support network mm. that's just a natural thing. Obviously the husband will come around and check on you yeah. and what have you and all that, but he kind of has to take a back seat. Yeah. Then three months after you've had the child, so and you, your mum's taught you how to do yeah. things, and your family you come across input, you. Yeah. Then you come back to your husband and, yeah. and all that kind of thing. So you have a support system. And what the Western world has done is remove that support system, Literally. and they're only concerned about immediate, um, immediate families, like you know, bro, um, and it doesn't doesn't work like that. I remember speaking to a Thai lady. And she couldn't understand that my mum lives in one part of London and I live in the other. You, she just didn't, um, that didn't compute in her mind. Yeah. Like, how can you, your mum has to live across the road oh, from you, uh, the furthest down the road, and it's not like 200 metres down the road, it's like shouting distance, and yeah. that's how you have your mum. Yeah. And a part of me felt bad, a part of me made it, I really respected where she's coming from, the core, core values, the mm. family. Because when you have core values and family, everything comes together mm. in society. Mm -hmm. Because if you look after, everybody looks after their little networks, mm -hmm. then you get less social issues. Of course. So mental things, and along that lines of things. Mm -hmm. um, what struck me is that you said that word means slave in Greek. Mm. Don't you think the people who designed the course must know that? Oh yeah, but funnily enough, the the course I've done two courses, but the, the last course that I did is actually run by Mars Lord, who is one of the most you know famous and renowned doulas at the moment. You know, birth workers. Um, she's very well oh, known. Woman, okay. Sorry. Yeah, very well known in the birthing world, um, as she's bringing a lot of light and attention, as she should to the alarming facts, the alarming statistics which are occurring in this country, which is that five um, black women are five times more likely to die during the perinatal period than white women. Five times more likely to die. Is that for lack of family support here? I don't know, not in terms of family. I mean, you know, maybe that has an input, but I would definitely say it's to do with institutionalised racism within the medical industry. Um, yeah, 100%, which we see very um, often, and I just think people think um, people think that, you know, you go to doctors, you want to feel safe, obviously, 
going to a hospital with, with doctors, but I just don't think that's the case when you are a black person in this country and when you're a person of colour, you're just treated differently. And actually, a lot of doctors have been taught that we, um, that black people don't experience pain like white people do. Really? Yeah, and they're actually, they were actually taught that, um, a lot of them in medical school, so no wonder that we're kind of treated differently when... So that's saying we're yeah. more durable then. Yeah, and then that goes back obviously to slavery and like actually, yeah, the... They don't really feel the whip till you go whip them hard. Literally, so <laughs> it's very alarming and that that is the reality of it. We're living with, we're living with, um, you know, doctors and healthcare professionals who honestly believe that we may experience pain differently, that, you know, they don't need as much attention, that, um, you know, when people I've spoken to, other doulas and um, birth workers have have um, said to me, even a midwife that was actually on my course said to me countless of times there'd be, you know, a black woman giving birth and the doctors would be like, oh, come on, hush, hush, you can, you can do it, you've, you've had worse, come on. Come on, I'll stop screaming. Stop making such a fuss. But why isn't that same reaction given to a white woman giving birth? I mean, it's just... You know what's funny, though? Because my son's mum didn't make any noise. She didn't... (laughs) did her job. That's the first and last time I ever saw that. I would never do it again. But... um, (laughs) I just said, well done, you know, well done. You know, after I came round... um, (laughs) <laughs> kind of thing. But um, yeah, yeah, it's not a sight for man's eye. They don't care what the women live saying. Really? Yeah. I mean, that's uh, funny you should say that, no, but no, a doula's job is actually not just for the mum or the birthing person. It's actually to get the dad involved or the, you know, the partner involved, to how, how they can be involved in that experience. Because it's proven that when a, when a partner is supported during the birth, the birth goes a lot smoother, a lot quicker, and a lot, you know, more yeah. comfortably. But then are we judging by the, the Western standards of just yeah. the immediate family, or are we talk about traditional? Because if you've got so many family members involved, mm-hmm. then the dad doesn't really need to be there per se. He's there, mm-hmm. but he doesn't need to be in Yeah, because to me, you're mixing cultures here. You're no. looking at, you're looking at the traditional element of a big family network, mm-hmm. like what I spoke about when the mum's there and the, best friend and the cousin and the aunt mm. and all those kind of things yeah and yeah. then you're and then you also you're talking about oh well you know statistics say and statistics are probably usually done on the let's say the european based people in the sense of that so it's like to me our thing has worked and it's worked from time mm. yeah and i've seen it when i spent my time in africa and you'll see a similar thing for the caribbean mm. and all those things yes you get male doctors but to me Women's bodies, women's bodies, women's and other their friends are intrigued. I'm not, I'm not intrigued at all mm. about those kind of things. And I know it's very traditional, and I know it's probably not the PC thing to say, but I'm not interested in all that. That's probably why I do a podcast because <laughs> you could just talk it for what it is, and people will agree, yeah. agree, agree, agree. If they don't, they don't. That's all, all more power to them uh, in that respect. Yeah. Well, I think. I mean, I can understand definitely where you're coming from and obviously having a predominantly female environment during birth has worked and it works well for a lot of people but at the same time I don't think we should neglect the fact that um, 
it's a very powerful, beautiful experience to go through. I know it can be graphic maybe for some people or for some men, but I think the men who have witnessed their child being born have a whole new level of respect and understanding and appreciation for and um, you know, the mother of their child and that whole process. I think I think if a man can be there to witness his child being born and actually be involved, I think it not only helps him and his start to fatherhood and you know parenthood and his involvement but it can also help that child because you know people actually have is this facts or, spe- or just your feeling no this is facts i mean i don't have the statistics to just okay. bring up right now but this we actually looked at this on the no, no i was asking yeah. you the reason being because most cultures in the world men yeah. don't get involved at that point mm-hmm. well, and we've got to 7.5 billion doing it like that <laughs> So it's, it, to me, it's like the, 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 the wheel's not broken. Why try and reinvent it? Uh, but Do you understand? Because you can't tell me all the women in history from this point back have been unhappy. Well, I think I would kind of beg to differ. I think it's not a case of if it's not broken, don't fix it. Because I think we're, what we see, yes, there are a lot of people in the world, but there are a lot of um, mentally ill people. There are a lot of emotionally unstable in the world and I, what we're realising now, we're linking and um, we're kind of joining the dots and realising that pain and you know emotional trauma doesn't just start here and now, it's actually carried in DNA it's actually starts as far back as birth so in making the birthing experience you know more peaceful, more natural, maybe more holistic, we're actually a more love filled, we're actually actually giving that person a better start to life and therefore a better chance of being an emotionally stable happy balanced adult so i think what we're seeing now in the world yes we are very heavy populated but are all the people in the world right now emotionally stable and balanced and happy i i don't think so and i think the revolution kind of has to start right right from the beginning if we're going to change how people are as an adult we, we need to go right back and to the very beginning is obviously birth and what if I told you that birth actually has um, the same you know use the same hormones that we use for love making so that's oxytocin and you know the main one being oxytocin which is the love hormone you know the, the one that you get when you're um, happy or you know making love or eating chocolate so in having the partner there or even in some cases they may be I've heard of some people you know kissing or having their nipples simulated through contractions that actually helps the labour. So I can't. I'm not going to debate with you on this because it's obviously about my league, and I, it will never be my league. I'm just telling you from my own personal experience. No, I respect your opinion. I, I think many people will probably feel like you do. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. At least we can agree on that. And then what I'd say is this: great conversation. I understand you're going to be doing your own business. Yes. yes. Um, have you got? Uh, if anybody wants to interview you, because I think from this, you're going to probably get a lot of listeners, especially black women, who want to hit you up, mm. being a sister yourself. So, what? Um, where can people find you? If they, can they find you on email, Instagram? Um, yeah, you can find me on Instagram at um, my personal one is Lily LB underscore underscore. That's L I double L I. LB underscore underscore and my 
page which I'm actually hoping to launch within the next month or so will be called the golden goddess underscore underscore so that will be the name for my um, doula business my art which I want to link and incorporate in my birth work and also holistic health and you know plant-based living and mental Okay, that's great. Well, thanks for that, Lily. And I'm sure we'll get a very good response on that. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes. For those of... Um, please like and share. I hope you all like, like the interview. And feel free to listen to my other podcast, Africa Investing Stories, which actually combines in with what Lily's been talking about because you, the first point is to invest in oneself and one's family and one's loved ones before you even think about investing in financially. Um, I think Lily will be a good person to link up for those of who are into that industry and I will definitely be passing her email on to some other people. Um, like I said, like and share and have a good day. Oh, feel free to leave a response on the email below. Uh